What do you love about being outside and active? I'm, I'm sure I've spent more time outdoors than in. That just feels like home. Enjoy what you can do because you never know what is around the corner. Just being outdoors in the fresh air, it just clears my mind. Fully immersed in nature is what brings me the most joy. Hello and welcome back to the Outside and Active podcast where this week we are connecting with nature as I welcome nutritional therapist Monique Parker. In 2008, Monique qualified as a nutritional advisor but felt that that wasn't enough, so decided to continue studying nutritional therapy, which is the application of nutrition science in the promotion of health and individual care. Having struggled with health issues herself, Monique can understand how frustrating it can be if you're not able to live life to the full and are continuously suffering from symptoms such as fatigue, anxiety, bloating and more without getting to the bottom of what it is that's actually causing it. Her view is that a holistic and personal approach will increase the chance of health improvement. Alongside being a nutritional therapist, Monique is also a writer and educator. She has released her brand new book, Conversations on the Lost Connection with Nature, Understanding the Importance of Nature and the Need for Reconnection. The book includes personal and candid experiences of 27 individuals who have either suffered from illness and have found recovery through the healing benefits of nature, those who have committed to nature from an early age, and professionals who have seen the benefits of natural healing in clients. You can find out more about Nutrition For You, Monique's brand, by heading to www.nutritionforyou.co.uk and you can get your copy of the book now by looking in the podcast description or the article attributed to this podcast. We're really getting into the darker and colder months now, so I think more than ever, now is a great time to be connecting or reconnecting with nature, and we talk a lot about this in the episode. Without further ado, let's head straight into this conversation with Monique Parker. Monique, the advice this week comes from our previous guest, Diane Westaway, who is a, an adventure coach over in Australia. And her piece of advice that she's leaving for you is straight to the point, but I think it's a great piece of advice. And it's live every day like it's your last. And I really think that's about seizing life and making the most of, obviously, each day. What's your instant reaction to that advice? She beat me to it. <laughs> she stole your advice. I would have said the same. But I can come up with another piece of advice later on. Don't worry. Don't well, worry. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we, have, we will have your advice at the end of the episode. But the question that I also ask to everyone that comes onto the podcast is, what do you love about being outside and active? It's freedom. It's, it's life. It's, you know, what, what drives me. Um, I'm not saying I'm outdoors 24 hours a day, but, you know, if I can't go outside, I'm getting depressed. I had an operation on my foot last year, and I was housebound for six weeks. And during the winter, so you would think, oh, well, it doesn't matter if it's cold outside anyway. But honestly, I was climbing the walls, and I was just gasping for fresh air and to be outdoors. That's how, how much I need that. A lot of people will be able to relate to that. It's almost like cabin fever, isn't it? Especially if you're injured or if you're unable to get outside because it's dark or cold or whatever reason. It really does play an effect, especially if you're someone that likes to get outside quite regularly. So I can definitely 
relate to that and there will be a lot of things in this episode that I think people will be able to relate to and and, and advice that we'll be able to give or you'll be able to give as well um it's all about connecting with nature and that's all about well this is what your book is all about conversations on the lost connection with nature um I want to kick off by asking you about that book how did it come about and what's it all about it's quite funny so I'm a nutritional therapist and I've written uh, quite a lot for local newspaper and magazines and for my, for my website. And a lot of people kept on saying, oh, you need to write a book, you need to write, write a book. But as you know, there's loads of nutrition books of, around and also recipe books. I'm not a recipe developer anyway. And I thought, you know what, I don't even know what to write about because there is already so much out there. One night, I was lying awake in bed, and I had this brainwave, thinking, when you want to write a book, it has to be about something you're passionate about. Now, what am I passionate about, apart from my, from my, 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 my job? It's nature. And I thought, how can I combine the two? So I thought, okay, well, yeah, there is something there, but... I can't do it on my own, you know. I need the input from other other people. And that day, I had to do a seven-hour boat crossing to <laughs> ferry crossing to Holland. So, and it's it's boring. In seven hours sitting on a boat. Yeah. So I had a piece of paper and a pen, and I made a list of everyone I could think of that would be interesting to talk about, you know, about their connection with nature and and, and nutrition and all that kind of stuff. And I had about 20 people and some of them are friends and some of them are in the public eye and you know so I wrote all the questions down that I want everything I wanted to ask them and I thought okay that's not enough because you know a book has to have a little bit more substance so I'm going to do some research and I started looking into um, the benefits of nature for your health the benefit, the, the link between nature and nutrition, because there's a huge link there, obviously. Why are we so disconnected? And how can we reconnect or connect? And it was also actually looking at my practice and the, the type of clients I'm getting are people who are, they're not feeling well, they've been to their GP, there's nothing wrong with you, you know, take it easy, you're stressed or whatever. And talking to my clients, a lot of them, if I would ask them, how often do you exercise outdoors? They would say, oh, no, I'll go to the gym twice a week. I do exercise, but but that's it, you know. Um, I walk to the shop, maybe, but we're not going out to the woods or we're not going on a hike or, you know. And I started to see the link there. I thought, hang on a second. These people could feel so much better and so less stressed if they would just go out, put the phone in the pocket, look around, listen, smell, observe, because you forget everything. So that was sort of the other angle, you know, for me to write that uh, book. So I started approaching people if they wanted to cooperate and collaborate. And... Strangely enough, there wasn't a single one who said, mm, uh, I have to think about it, yeah. I'm not thinking about this. So everybody said yes. Um, 
I did it with a sort of like a questionnaire first, and then I started to do Zoom calls and everything else. And, you know, I ended, actually, my, my last interview, I ended up with 27 interviews because I kept on finding all these amazing people. The last one, actually, was a Skype call with somebody in Tehran, in Iran, who I found purely by coincidence through a friend of mine who was Iranian. And he said, oh, you need to speak to my friend Amir because he's fascinating. You know, he's, he used to be a physics professor, but he's now a walnut farmer. Oh, that's a change. Yes, exactly. So, oh, I thought, oh, yes, that sounds interesting. I have to get in touch with him. So we started emailing each other and then we had this lovely Skype call and he sent me some pictures afterwards. I've, I've seen him at his farm, sitting in the kitchen at the table with his wife and a donkey in between. You know, it, it's just, it, it was fascinating. It, and I've been very, very lucky because I think without the people that I interviewed, the book wouldn't, wouldn't be here. Because I did my interviews first because I thought if the interviews don't work out, then the rest of the book... You know, do I bother? But it's almost like they were dangling a carrot that I had to finish the book for them. And, you know, even if it doesn't sell, I don't care. Any- well, I want to get the message out there, obviously. But, mm. you know, um, it was such an amazing project and something that I wanted to do for so long because I'm so passionate about the subject. And, and also, it's incredibly important for everyone, it's our future, basically. If we don't look after nature, then we're doomed, really. And speaking to, I think it's 27 different conversations you had, 27 different stories, you must learn so much through that process. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's one thing, I mean, I'm not I'm not a spring chicken anymore, but so I've been around for quite a while, but I realised that Everybody has their ups and downs, and you sometimes talk to people, and the stuff that they tell you is heartbreaking. Mm. I mean, there's quite a lot of stories in the book, actually, you know, of abuse. Um, You know, one of the participants tried to commit suicide when she was 10 years old because her stepfather was abusing her. And nature was her savior because she used to get out of the house and spend as much time in nature and that saved her and, and and still now you know now she's older that is her safe haven and that's where she spends a lot of her time and then i found just you know you hear the stories but if you actually talk to someone who's lived it then yeah it was very um very profound very yeah mind-altering yeah, it was a, a beautiful experience for me. So the, the, the whole process of writing the book, I think publishing the book was actually the hardest bit of all. But, um, yeah. And the themes in this conversation that we're going to have are going to be around exactly what was being talked about, or is being talked about in the book, connecting with nature and the stories within that. And we're going to dive into that, but just want to get a bit more of a context around you and what you do uh, professionally, because you, like you said, nutritional therapist, I think I know what a nutritionist is. I've got a grasp of what a therapist is, but combining the two together, give me a bit more of an idea around what you actually do. Okay. So as a nutritional therapist, what you do is you basically look at potential nutritional imbalances in people. So 
I have a practice that's based on functional medicine, and in functional medicine, it's like a holistic medicine where you look at the root cause of things. For instance, you go, you've got a headache all the time. You go to your GP, and maybe the GP says, "Well, I don't think that is wrong. You just take paracetamol. That's it." Now, in functional medicine, they would sit you down and say, "Right, okay, what's your sleeping pattern like? Have you had your eyes tested? You've got a lot of stress. Are you eating certain things that you shouldn't be eating?" It's very in-depth and, and GPs don't have time for that kind of stuff. You know, they only have like seven to 10 minutes of the patients, unfortunately, mm. but in medicine, you spend a lot of time with patients. I, my first consultation is about two hours when I see someone. I look at genetics. I look at family medical history. It's very in-depth. Of course, I look at the diet. They have to keep a, a food diary for a couple of days. And then, we'll, and then we'll talk about it all. And we talk about all their different symptoms. And, you know, it's I'm a bit like a health detective. I try <laughs> to sort of piece, uh, piece it together, the pieces of the puzzle. And then when I've got an idea, well, well maybe this is, this is what's the underlying problem. The diet has a big effect on it, of course. Then we'll sort of trying to change the diet, certain habits. You know, we talk about um, sleep hygiene because a lot of people, they spend hours on their computer in the evening with the blue light and then they wonder why they can't fall asleep easily. I am one of those people. I am one of those people. I am very self-aware that it's bad, but I am one of those people. It's bad. So it's not rocket science at all. Mm. It's all very common sense, but it's just explaining to them why it's important, you know, why movement, being outdoors, being having daylight early on when you get up, first thing you need to do is get out, have some have some sunlight or, or daylight, you know, to set your circadian rhythm. So when it's evening, then the brain knows, oh, you know, it's time to go to bed now. I'm glad you brought up functional medicine because that's something that I was going to ask you about a bit more. Um kind of what it is I mean you kind of explained there around it being a bit more than a, a seven minute uh, triage session and going get yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna give you this to try and make this problem better uh, explain a bit more around functional medicine and and how you would look to impart, impart, use that well I use it by by looking at all the different aspects yeah. of someone's life you know um do they have a family or are they living all by themselves? What are their connections like? Do they have a social network? Because if somebody's very, very lonely, that has an effect on their, on their health as well. Um, are they active or are they sitting in the chair all day? What kind of job do they do? So, uh, you know, like genetics yeah. as well. Do, you, you, you know, if you know that somebody's got, um, has parents that both, died of cardiovascular disease, then the chances that they might have something like that later on in life. So if you can prevent it. So it's all, this is what I'm saying, it's a bit like being a health detective, like piecing it all all together. And people that are coming to you to to talk about these things, are we talking about people that have got, you know, just just not feeling too well are there these people with you know serious medical conditions as well i've got um 
a lot of women who are going through the menopause. Right. Who have no idea how to deal with it. Um, I have teenagers with anxiety. I've had people with fertility problems. I've had quite a number of uh, women with endometriosis um, because I suffered from that myself when I was younger. So, and I, I work with um, an endometriosis surgeon. Uh, we work closely together sometimes. And, you know, so I get a variety of people. I had people with gut issues. Just name it. Just name it. I, I'm not really a specialist in one thing. I, I, I wanted to, when I started seven years ago, I wanted to be a specialist in female health. But, you know, when you start out, you can't, beggars can't be choosers. You, have to start. <laughs> you can't say, oh, oh, no, I don't want you clients because, you know, you, you're not ticking the female health box. So over the years, I've seen quite a number. But, yeah, now, you know, after seven years, people know it's word of mouth and, and that's how I get my clients because I don't really advertise, to be honest. So that detective element that you were speaking about because this can help with fatigue, anxiety, bloating, just to, to name a few things. I mean, there are three things that I struggle with. I mean, we've already said that I, I look at blue light in, in the night and I guess um, a bloating comes down to, I guess, the things that you're consuming and eating and how you react to different foods. So I, would you look into that? And then anxiety, how does anxiety play into nutrition as well? Well, there are certain foods that can make you feel quite wired. If you, if you, let's say, if you drink five black coffees a day, and it, mood, I always say, good food, good mood. There's, there's a real connection between food and mood as well. So yeah, I always say to people, everything is connected. Don't, don't dismiss anything because everything you say can be important, even the smallest thing. Because the that's something that I've, has really been pushed over the last few years is the connection between your mind and your gut and good gut health kind of yeah, having absolutely. a positive impact on your mental well-being. How true is that? No, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah it, no. it's, it's so interesting how things like that can, you never would have thought your, your gut health and your, and your mental well-being being connected seems something that's quite alien, but actually is looking after yourself in one way is going to support you in another way um i wanted to talk about uh, you know this podcast is all about being outside and active and people listening to this will know that i've spoken about with about this with guests the positive relation between physical activity and physical well-being and mental well-being um but the, this is more of seems to be a connection similar to that but with nature and health which is sort of seems to sit in a, in a similar area, but parallel to it. So explain a bit more about how our connection with nature can support our health. Okay. So we all know that there's rhythms in nature. You know, look at the seasons. Um, there are people who are now struggling now. Now autumn has started. They are starting to sort of struggle. But, oh, my gosh, you know, I can't face the winter. It's the dark, dark and cold, yeah. But... It's, it's part of the cycle. And if we would live a little bit more in harmony with nature and say, okay, it's going to be autumn now. Maybe I need to slow down. The trees are shedding their leaves, letting go. Okay. So maybe, and maybe this sounds a bit woo-woo, but um, if you think about it like that, if you live a little bit more according to the seasons, 
slow down a bit. In in summer, you you know, it's fantastic to be outdoors all the time and be out and about, you know, till late at night, get up early again, do whatever. But in autumn, it's time to slow down a bit and sort of go inwards a bit because that's what anim- I mean, anim- animals hibernate. You know, I'm always very envious of bears. You know, when they when they go into their little den for the winter and they wake <laughs> up when it's spring and they you know they just forget about the winter. <laughs> uh, I would love to do that because I don't like winter very much at all. But it's like slowing down. It's and also eating the right foods for the season as well. You know, like warming foods and and so it's when you look at the natural rhythms. What we were talking about, about the, um, the blue light, you know, mm. it's, it's not a normal, our, our brains can't cope with that very well because they think it's still the middle of the day when you're having the bright lights and everything. There's a light and dark cycle. We know that it gets dark in the evening and it gets light in the morning. So going to bed in the middle of the night and getting up at 12 o'clock it's not a normal cycle. And okay, we've had, we have night owls, we have, you know, the early birds, and we're all different. But it's, it's, it's really good if you can sort of train yourself to be a little bit more in harmony and, and sort of, I mean, okay, you don't have to go to bed when the sun goes down because you'll be in bed by six o'clock in the winter. <laughs> but, you know, but in, in, in summer, if you could sort of do that, people feel better actually. They feel better for it because their sleep is better as well. So it's kind of like finding a routine. Finding a routine, yeah. So you've got the light-dark cycle. Um, to give you a good example, um, there is a there is a guy in Sweden. He's um, uh, he's a scientist and he's studying bats. You know, like Batman, yeah. the bats, yeah. the animals, <laughs> and. Um, They've got these beautiful wooden churches in Sweden, you know, with the, the yeah, wooden, with big steeples and really right, picturesque, okay. yeah. lovely churches. And they're, they're very protective of the buildings and stuff like that. And they dis- they decided to put um, floodlights around them. So at night, they're all lit up, beautiful. But what he found out is that the bats that are living in the steeple, they're totally disorientated because bats hunt at night for food. So all of a sudden, they're not going out because there's bright lights and they think it's day. So they're starving. So the bat population has gone down quite dramatically, actually. Because they're and, out of that rhythm. Yeah. And so, and so he is actually, um, he's written a book about darkness. It's called The Darkness Manifesto. It's by Johan Eklov. And... Absolutely fascinating. And I'm quoting him in my book, actually, because it was just, you never think about it. We always think about the sun shining and daylight and, and, you know, we don't particularly like the darkness, but Mm. darkness is actually important as well. It's interesting because I've got a very close friend who struggles with the changing of the seasons, particularly when it goes from the summertime and the long days and the warmth into Obviously, there, there is a period before it then becomes, you know, the clocks change and all of that time period. But it's the, it's the idea that we're going towards that. So you're saying my advice for her should be, OK, this is a difficult time, but you need to try and find ways to accept this and and make your routine part of that slowing down routine by having warming foods and 
and uh, embracing the evening and, and getting cozy under the, things like that. Yeah. So instead of trying to fight it and be super aware of it, try and let yourself play into that time period. Yeah. There is another thing that, that she could do is buy um, an SAD lamp, a set lamp, which is basically a daylight lamp. And uh, my own daughter suffers really from, from the winter blues, as I would call it. Um, she became quite quite depressed at times, and I thought this is ridiculous. So I was doing some research, and when we got to the lamp, and now she's got it sitting on her desk, and while she's studying, she's got the daylight lamp on for a couple of hours a day, and she's a different person. Really? Yeah, absolutely, and, absolutely. And that will be the physical effect of it being there, but also the mental awareness of her knowing that it's there and it's supporting her yeah. to make a difference. It's, it's it's a daylight lamp, so you know it's all about the brain and what the eyes pick up, and yeah. How intriguing! Well, that's. I want to go back into how people can take the first step towards connecting with nature. But how do people disconnect? How do we disconnect in this hectic modern life? How do we disconnect with nature? What, where has it all gone wrong? Well, I mean, I, I think um, our phones are the biggest. The computers, the phones, they are the biggest culprits. I mean. I was actually, I think there's some research in there as well about people walking into lampposts, <laughs> <laughs> looking at their phone. Went on their phone, yeah. But it's actually, you know, it, it, it really hits home when you go out, or we've got a dog, and so every morning we go out for dog walk, and I'm so surprised to see people walking their dog while looking at their phone. You know, A, you don't pay attention to your dog, <laughs> Secondly, you can walk into your lamppost. Yeah. But we walk into a sort of like a small, um, it's called uh, the Wheat Chief Common, and, it, and they made some nice natural ponds there and stuff like that. And it's beautiful and lots of trees. And and I was walking there with a friend this morning, and I said to her, can you imagine that people are walking around here with big headphones on or looking at their phones? They're not paying attention to... They don't listen. They can't hear the bird, the bird singing, the bird singing. You know, I'm always on my, my husband always make, makes me laugh because he said, where are you? Where are you? And I'm a mile behind him because I'm walking. He's holding the dog. I'm walking behind him. And I've got my phone in my hand and not to look at my phone, Instagram or something. I've got my camera and I see a fungus. And I, I, I want to see it. I want to see it. Oh, what kind of fungus is this? And I take a picture of something. And I'm always looking. And the things you see when you finally start looking, it's incredible. During COVID, we used to walk along the canal. And at one point, I realized that I, I've got one of those apps on my phone where you can see what kind of flower it is or plant. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I realized that I had found 23 different types of wildflowers just on the walk along the canal and some people might not be interested but it's pretty amazing really what's growing out there and actually one of the the women that I interviewed for the book um, she's called Emily she's a forager it's not her, her, her normal job but she's a very very experienced forager and she forages in London she lives in London really and I said to her, well, excuse me, are you not going into, into the woods or something? She said, well, you know, there's a bit of a wooded area where the cemetery is. But she said, so you can find stuff to eat 
in the streets, you know, there's stuff growing, you know, in between the pavement slabs or whatever. Oh my gosh. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. But you have to open your eyes. You have to open your eyes and have a good look and see what's there because nature is giving us so much. Yeah, there is something that there is a phrase around that is that there's a difference between seeing and looking or there's a difference between, you know, actually taking it in. Um, because I've noticed that I like to run and I sometimes will go in, go on trail runs and actually either turn my headphones off, not use my watch to for pacing or whatever. And actually it's interesting, especially if it's slightly remote, to appreciate where you're running. Sometimes the silence, like you said, the noise, the things that you actually see and that you pick up. And it's a completely different experience to running with headphones on along the side of the road. And that look, I'm saying that I'm very fortunate that I live in, in Surrey in an area where there are rural places. And actually, I was going to ask you about people that do live in built up more um, urban areas where they will be able to connect with nature. I mean, you've kind of given an example with that. There are small elements of nature within a built up urban area. But how else can people look to other than taking an hour and a half train to the nearest woods? Yeah. Well, I mean, when you go to London, there's beautiful parks in London, and quite a lot of them, actually. But you, you have to know where, where mm. to go, obviously. Um, how do you connect with nature if you're living in the city? If you've got a little balcony, you can grow some plants on your balcony, or even, you know, grow some, some tomatoes yeah. or you know, something like that. Or even if you put a plant on your desk, you know, it doesn't have to be Oh, yes, I'm going to get on the train for an hour and a half to go to somewhere rural and... That, that that really reminds me because we have um we we featured some articles on our website around forest bathing, and it's been interesting for for me to to read that and for our readers to read about forest bathing and it kind of plays into what we're talking about here of connecting with nature and embracing our natural surroundings. And there was an article that this this person had written around forest bathing and going, how to forest bathe if you're not in a forest? And I went, okay, well, what's this all about? And it was around something similar to what you said around having uh, a plant or something like that on your desk or having some soil or leaves in your hand and just sort of closing your eyes. And on first read, my mind was kind of going, no, there's, there's absolutely no way. But then listening to you say that again kind of goes, well, actually, just having a plant or something of that ilk around you will have, especially if you're in a built-up area or having some tomatoes growing outside, will actually yeah. have, a, you know, not the strongest effect as going and walking through the woods, but it will have an effect. They actually, they, they do research with um, patients in hospital People that were in a room looking out on concrete buildings recovered less quickly than the people who are looking out on greenery. Wow. That's how strong it is. That's how strong it is. And you said at the beginning, it's not the same as going to the gym and say, yeah, I've done my hour workout because you're going from house or wherever you are, house, work, to car, or train, or bus, to gym. It's all inside. It's all kind of relatively safe. You're not in nature, whereas if you're going, even just walking outside, um, walking home from work, or cycling home from work, or taking a different path, um, it's it plays into that, isn't it? It's about feeling the elements. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I think that a lot of people are actually quite scared of silence. You know, we, yeah, we, all, we all have to have the radio. I mean, I'm, I'm a culprit because I have the radio on all day. Um, I'm the same. I always have music on. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you then go to a gym where the music is blaring or the TVs are on or whatever, you, you can't switch off. It's really hard to switch off. And, okay, some people switch off by doing really heavy exercising. But if you're just one of my average clients who goes on the running machine maybe or, or the cross trainer or cycling or whatever, not like, like serious training, then I sometimes wonder, you know, how do you switch off? so interesting it is so it's so interesting because it's not it, it's you're having to really can those people that can't deal with the, the the lack of noise or silence like we said like like ourselves sometimes of having it's almost trying to have the confidence to let go of all of that um and, and i guess that's how we've disconnected with nature it's with this this thing a phone it's it, it is a distraction and we have everything and sort of our lives in there but sparing the time to go and engage with nature is something that's super super important not only for our mental health but you've been speaking again it's it's physical health it can help support you through uh, being being unwell and i think you you do say on your website it's not uh, you know nutritional therapy is not a direct replacement for medical advice Oh, absolutely mm. not oh no we need we need all the doctors absolutely and you know and sometimes you do need um antibiotics for instance you know but i think a lot of the people i'm actually seeing i would say 80 percent or more their physical problems are related to stress because mm. once you start to talk to them and you say oh well you know are you working? Yeah, I'm working. Do you enjoy your work? No, I hate my job. <laughs> does it make you stressed? Yes, it does make me stressed. How do you cope with stress? Well, I don't really know because I don't have an awful lot of time because I work full-time and I've got a family. It's, I think stress is the biggest, the biggest problem we have and it makes us ill, and if we don't know how to deal with stress, and this is why nature is so important, because it's, it's, it's for free. Yeah. You know? Oh, well, I th- I'm, I'm, I'm fairly convinced that um, going, doing exercise outside is now being sort of, quote-unquote, prescribed uh, to people now to support them, because, yes, you can do X, Y, Z to support you that's been done for years, but actually go and take a walk outside for half an hour disconnect from from those stresses in life or do you do your physically disconnect from them go for a walk and that will have an impact because yeah it it it, it, like we've been speaking about it it does have quite an impact it does and i've been speaking to several people about uh, the green social uh, prescribing programs that are um, popping up now in the uk and i'm so glad I'm, I'm myself, I'm a volunteer for the Green Hub, which is a, a charity that um, has got a, a nice therapeutic garden for teenagers with mental health problems in Godalming, or Milford, Milford, Milford. And uh, the other lady I spoke to, she does, a, she did a program for 18 to 25 year olds in Devon, like, you know, taking them out in the countryside on hikes and everything else. And, and these were, you know, people with serious problems and they all benefited so much from just being outdoors 
and, and the teenagers that go to the garden in, 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 in Milford. I mean, one of the girls I actually interviewed was one of the first teenagers to go there, and she's been very, very frank about it. She's explaining how it changed her life and how she coped with her depression and anxiety. And, you know, she's now off to university to study psychology, which I think is, is fantastic. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, on, there's testaments on, on the website around the book of people that you've spoken to about how, yeah, this, this is my story and this connection with nature literally saved, in some cases, literally saved my life, which just shows, just shows the power of this, free thing that we have on our you know some people have on their doorsteps that we can we can choose to engage with because I think I just was thinking about it when you were talking about stress being a massive reason of why people do get ill life is so stressful in modern whether it be work and comparisons with other people the choices that we have and don't have and everything happening in the world right now that we want people to be able to have outputs positive outputs to be able to relieve that stress and because and, obviously there are so many negative ways that we that people do deal with that we want to promote these positive outlets one of which is being connecting with nature so if someone's listening to this and we've spoken about disconnecting with nature but if there's someone listening to this going right okay I, this, this sounds like something that I really need to include in my life now what is your advice of a first step towards connecting with nature okay First thing is just to go outside, obviously, <laughs> and put your phone away. That's 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 always what I said to my say to my clients. Just you know, when you go outdoors, put your phone away, and and observe, listen, and smell, whatever. Then there's obviously, um, if you do have a balcony or a garden, plant something. You know, grow something. There's nothing more rewarding than let's say growing your own tomatoes yeah. or whatever. Or lettuce or, or courgettes, yeah, you can. Um, so that's really good. And if you don't have a garden, you can get an allotment. You can even get an allotment together with someone else if it's too much. If you don't have enough time, um, there's fantastic community gardens nowadays where where people come together and they 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 grow food together and then the food gets given to the food bank or a community kitchen or whatever or you know things like that. Um, with children, you know, get them used to nature as young as possible. There's fabulous forest schools nowadays. Oh my gosh, you know, I wish I was a child. <laughs> they they do fantastic things. Victoria, that's in my book as well. She's the director of one of the forest schools here in Surrey, and you know, kids absolutely love it. And if they can get used to that and they have the interest, because this is why it's so important. There is research that actually says if people are connected with nature, there's a much higher chance that they look after nature. So for us, for our future, for the planet's future, everybody has to reconnect. That's just another benefit of yeah. Yeah. how sociable yeah. is how sociable is connecting with nature? Is this something that you recommend people, you know, put your phone away, go for a walk on your own? Or if I've got a friend, a colleague, uh, a partner, a sibling? Go with the family, go with your partner, go with your colleagues. No, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. And it's just, you know, being in green. A green is a very good color anyways. Healing color and fresh air, exercise. I mean, most of your listeners are very active people, I guess. <laughs> you know, 
outdoors and active. Yeah. Um, it's, that's a brilliant combination, you know, to fight stress. Being active and being outdoors, you can't get it any better. Well, look, Monique, I'm so appreciative of, of your time and your knowledge and your expertise because I couldn't feel, you know, any more passionate around what we're talking about, connecting with nature, especially my process of being able to speak to people on this podcast over the last couple of years and really, really myself connect with nature. And I know that people listening to this themselves will either want to be connected with nature more or will have to have their own process as well. And I'm sure there will be people, of course, that will want to know more about the book and the people, the stories within the book. So where can people go to find out more about you, but also uh, to, to find out more about the book? Um, I've got a website which is uh, www.nutritionforyou, um, as one word, .co.uk. Um, the book's available on Amazon worldwide. And if people are living in the area of working, they can buy it directly from me and they, get a signed, they can get a signed copy. And this, the, the link to the book and the website will be in the article for this podcast. It will be in the description of the podcast if you're listening on Apple or Spotify. And will also be in the YouTube description box below. So please definitely do check that out. You've, you've offered so much wisdom and advice in this podcast. But I opened it up by offering you a piece of advice from Diane Westaway. You to live, live every day like it's your last. She stole your advice. I can't believe it. How dare she? Um, but now is the opportunity for you to leave a piece of advice that I can then pass along to a guest coming onto the podcast in the near future. Okay. okay. Well, it's a very simple one. Get out and use all your senses. Uh, all your senses. Listening, looking, smelling, feeling. I probably should get another one. But yeah, so use the senses because, yeah. I, I like... So rock, yeah, rock the bark off the tree, you know, or I walked in the park the other day and I and I thought, oh, that's interesting. This is massive big tree. But the ivy had sort of half taken it over. I said, oh, they've got a visitor. You know, it, it was all, mm. it, it was beautiful. To me, it's art. It was, there's a lot of art in nature as well. So, yes. Use your senses. Put your phone away. What I really like about that is not just, you could have just said, oh, just get outside and, and embrace in nature. It's adding that extra element of use your senses. Yeah, yeah don't just look at things. Go and, go and feel things. Smell things. Just embrace yourself with it. Uh, I, I like that. And I look forward to passing that along. If you're listening to this, please do take that advice, but also go and check out the book. Um, Monique, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Outside and Active podcast featuring my special guest, Monique Parker. If this conversation taught me anything, then I think it's the power of being able to connect or reconnect with nature and also finding out the different ways you can do that and the importance of it. I think also that SAD light is something that is really good advice for someone who is really struggling to deal with the change in the seasons and it getting darker. So definitely recommend that. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. But just before I go, I want to ask each of you that are still listening, and thank you for still listening, a quick favour. If each of you forwards this podcast onto someone who you think would enjoy it just as much as you, then we'll be able to continue expanding this Outside and Active podcast community. I'll be back next week with another amazing guest. And until that time, enjoy the outdoors.